Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. Father, we just thank you and we praise you in the name of your son, Jesus. I pray that you give your people a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of their understanding, give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and the heart to perceive what you are saying to us, Lord, that we might turn and be healed. Lord, you told me to preach on prayer this morning. I pray that you give us revelation and insight into the realm of prayer, the power of prayer, the importance of prayer, the value of prayer. And God, I pray that we would take up the mantle of prayer as men and women of God and that we would we would do something great in the earth, Lord God, because we're bringing heaven down to the earth, Lord. We love you, we bless you, and we thank you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray and all of God's people say it. Amen and amen. God is good. You may be seated. I want to talk to you. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. Uh, let me go ahead and put a plug in real quick for the Reunite Nights. We, how many of you have come to Reunite and you've been blessed by it? Amen. Hallelujah. We've had two to 300 people two nights or two Wednesdays in a row. And here's the crazy thing. The weather has been absolutely horrible. It's been raining. It's been cold. It's been dangerous. It's been dark. It's been all kinds of stuff. And yet, two to 300 people have still been coming on Wednesday nights. That is amazing. Give yourselves a hand clap. One of the purposes and goals for Reunite is to help you to grow in your faith. I understand and recognize that it is hard sometimes to read your Bible, especially if you're trying to do it by yourself. However, corporately, we as a church, we're reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And one of the things I really felt impressed to do is for us to come into a format where we can ask questions about what we're reading. And there is no topic, uh, no subject that we cannot discuss. We are hitting controversial areas, things that you may, you know, read and say, wow, that's in the Bible. Yes, it is. Because the one thing I love about the Bible, the Bible does not shy away from the realities of life. Amen. Your best soap opera cannot compare to the things, the drama that's in the Bible. Listen, look, your best telenovela cannot, it cannot compare to what's in the Bible. The Bible is so raw and so real and it is so exciting to read. But if you don't know what you're reading or how to go about reading it, you may struggle. So what we're doing as a church is we're coming together to read the Word of God, but then we're meeting to discuss it because the whole goal is for you to have understanding of what you're reading and know why you're reading and why God did what he did and why people did what they did. So now you can apply to your life. The Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Amen. So the goal is to get you to understand what God's saying, apply it to your life. And when you begin to put biblical application to your life, you will begin seeing the biblical blessings of God. Amen. Christianity is phenomenal, but you still have to do it the way that God designed it. Amen. 
you can't, this is not the buffet. You can't pick and choose what parts of it you want and what parts you want to leave. You meat eaters, you want to leave those greens on the table. Sometimes you got to put that on your plate too, amen? Come on, somebody. So if we understand what's in the scripture and we make the application, then we'll begin seeing the same blessings that God had in the lives of his people manifested in our lives. So we are reading, we're studying, we're applying. It has been awesome. Some of your questions have blown me away. You have asked some of the most awesome questions. And uh, Sister Prelicia over there, she had the controversy question of Wednesday night. She was trying to cause problems on Wednesday night. I see you, sister, but I ain't, I ain't letting you get away with that. Amen. I said, oh, I knew it. I, I'm not going to even tell you what the question was. You just had to be there. But I was, all week, I said, somebody's going to ask this question. And she sure did. Praise the Lord. So if you want to have controversial questions, come on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We're having a blast. We're growing together, and God's doing great things. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, the title of my sermon is called Shifting Destinies, the Power of Prayer. Shifting Destinies, the Power of Prayer. On the screen behind me, this is the Exodus. This is the four million people that God delivered from Egyptian bondage, and it was because Moses was a man of prayer that he saw deliverance of his people because prayer, intercession specifically, has the power to shift destinies. It can shift the destiny of a person, a family, a city, a nation, a region. The power of prayer has the ability to shift destinies. And I want to tell you, as an intercessor, intercessors stand before God and they intervene in prayer as well as sometimes in fasting on behalf of people. Now, let me give you a definition because I jumped ahead of myself, but let me give you a definition of intercession. I want to specifically speak to the aspect of prayer that's called intercession. And intercession is defined by this. It is intervening on behalf of another person before God intervening on behalf of another before God. It's like a mediator, someone who is reconciling between two parties. Amen? Hallelujah. When we intercede, we cause the original consequences that someone who may have offended God and deserves to be punished to become a more favorable outcome. And the, the, this thing is so awesome that it, it, as I read the Bible, I don't understand why God gave us so much power to change his mind. Oh, I said that, and I know some people, you started twitching, your eyes started flickering. And I'm going to say it again. Why did God give us human beings so much power to change his mind? Hallelujah. This is the power of the intercessor. This is the power of the intercessor. Put up the thing that says God, intercessor, offending party. When God is at division or in a place where he is separated from someone because they have done something wrong, a person which we will call an intercessor or a person of prayer, you have the ability to change God's mind and desire about a thing. Amen? 
I mentioned to you about Moses. God was going to destroy the children of Israel because of their rebellion, because of their disobedience, because they had rejected God, because they had taken up golden calves, because of all of this junk and nonsense that they were doing. But one man, everyone say one man, one man stood in the gap for four million people before God, and he said, God, I know they're rebellious. I know they're stubborn. I know they're hard-headed. But he said, do not destroy them, Lord God. He said, because your enemies will say that you took them out of Egyptian bondage, brought them here to this wilderness just to destroy them. And Lord, if it's just for the sake of your name, if it's just for the sake of your reputation, Lord, keep them alive and bring them into the promised land. An intercessor changed the mind of God. God had determined destruction, and the intercessor caused God to say, okay, I'll give him a second chance. And then, I love it so much, that Moses, listen, a true intercessor is never satisfied. Look at your neighbor and say, a, a true intercessor is never satisfied. Come on, a true intercessor is coming for everything. Then Moses God says, well, I'm going to send the angel into the promised land before them, and the angel will go, but I'm not going to go with the people. And, and Moses convinced God. Moses convinced God to change his mind and go with the people into the promised land. He says, Lord, if you don't leave this mountain, then we're not going anywhere. These people who got on your nerves, God, and made you want to get rid of them, we're all going to stay here on this mountain with you if you don't go with us into the promised land. And God says, all right, Moses, all right, all right, all right, I'm going to go with you guys. See, an intercessor has the power to shift destinies. An intercessor has the power to change God's mind. And see, if it was only one time, then that would be enough. But then when I read about Abraham in Genesis, God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham actually asked him to spare the land for 50 righteous people. And then for those who read it earlier this year or who've read it before, you recognize that God did destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, not because Abraham didn't stand in the gap or in the sea, but Abraham didn't get to a low enough number he started with 50 stopped with 10 and realistically the number the number was four if he said God will you spare the land for four righteous people God would have said yes but he stopped at too high of a number an intercessor changed the mind of God could it be that an intercessor in this room an intercessor that's watching online will change God's mind about how he feels about California, about the West Coast, about the United States of America. As long as there's an intercessor in this country, in this state, in this city, in Sac County, there's a chance for a major turnaround because an intercessor can cause God to see things differently than what they've been. Amen? Here's the definition that I believe um, defines and really captures the heart of the power of an intercessor. And I would even say the responsibility of an intercessor. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 and 31 says this. This is God speaking to Ezekiel the prophet. And God says, he said, 
I looked for someone among them, speaking of all of the people in the nation, who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. God said, I went throughout the whole nation looking for just one person. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth looking for one who is fully committed to him. So God, at this time in Ezekiel, in the nation of Israel, he goes through the land and he was looking for just one intercessor, one person who would stand in the gap on behalf of the nation. He wasn't looking for a huge group. He wasn't looking for a large group. He was looking for one person. He didn't say that that one person had to be a man or a woman or a kid. It could have been anybody, just one person he looked for. But God had a bigger problem. He could find no one. He said, but I found no one. Verse 31, so he said, I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. There are people who deserve the punishment and judgment of God, but the intercessor has the power to cause God to shift his intentions and plans. God destroyed the nation not because he wanted to, because listen, every sin has a consequence. You understand what I'm saying? And the consequences are the wages of their sin was separation from God. It was death, it was destruction, it was wrath. But God said, if I can find an intercessor, I will change my mind. I will turn things around. Because here on the earth, God is always looking for partnership with a person, a group of people, a church, a prayer group, a prayer movement. God is always looking for partnership on the earth so that he can birth his plans and his purposes. And whenever something is not happening on the earth, that means that he was unable to find a partnership to conduct kingdom business. The Fire Bible says this. I love this. This is so awesome. He said, it said, because good people often remain silent because of their fear or because of compromise, they often miss the opportunity to inspire true revival and help people escape God's judgment. When the church remains silent or prayerless, it allows the wickedness in society to spring forth and overtake communities. Yet God has given us the church the power to stop what is happening around us through prayer and intercession. I'm going to get on your nerves for a second right now. Do not complain about what's happening in this state if you are not on your knees talking to God about it. It's easy to flap our gums and be discontent about things we are not praying about. Amen? Everybody's like abortion is bad, and it is. But what happened to the generation that allowed abortion to be passed and become legal when they had the ability to stand in the gap and say, God, we are standing and we will not allow this to be legislated in the era of life that we are living in. And then now it's a big deal. It was a big deal back then, but God could find no one who would stand in the gap. And what's being legislated and passed in the day and age of 2024? 
Will it be on our watch or will we be the people that will say, Lord, not as long as I'm living, it's not going to happen. Right? You can go picket, protest, bring out your flyers. But God said, I looked for a person who would stand before me in the gap on behalf of the nation. Because do you know in Proverbs it says that the Lord controls the heart of the king and he moves it wherever he wills? Do you know the Lord has the power to visit presidents and governors and mayors in their dream and start directing them and moving them where he wants them to be? But I believe God doesn't have divine visitations because God can't get an a intercessor to make divine movement in the realm of heaven. In the book of Judges, I'm excited, I, one of my favorite books, but the book of Judges is about the backsliddenness of Israel. And it said, it opens up in the first chapter of Judges, and it says, and there were not very many visions and dreams during this time in Israel. You know why? Because the people stopped praying, the people stopped being godly, the people stopped seeking the face of God. And when the people who belong to God stopped doing their part, then visions and dreams diminished. But when the people of God began to rise up, that's why God needed a Samuel and God needed a David. God is raising up a generation of prophets, of intercessors, of warriors for the kingdom that will look the giants in the land and say, you uncircumcised Philistine, who are you that you will rise up against the armies of the living God? And they will march out on the battlefield with their sling and their five stones, and they will hit Goliath in the middle of his forehead. Then they will walk over to him, take his own sword, and chop his head off. Yeah, that's in the Bible. It's exciting. It's fun. You need to read your Bible, amen? And he will chop his head off, and David was so gangster for God that he picked up Goliath's head and started marching around town with it to proclaim, this is what happens to the enemies of God when you rise up against our God. But that's what happens when men and women of God have a heart for God and they pray and they intercede and they stand in the gap. Hallelujah. Nobody can outrun the prayers of God. Nobody can outrun the prayers of an intercessor. No one can outrun the power of a man and a woman who stays before the throne of God and cries out day and night on behalf of a cause or a purpose or a thing. When we did the 14 days of glory, we were not just denying ourselves food and coming here at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. just to have something fun to do. We were saying, God, shift the destiny of California. God, shift the destiny of what's happening in the Capitol building in Sacramento. God, shift the destiny of what's happening in the White House in Washington, D.C. God, we're standing in the gap because we believe that as we come together and pray in your name, that things in the atmosphere are changing and people's hearts are shifting towards you instead of away from you. Amen? I worked in the car dealership. I remember this. This was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, how many of you know that car dealerships can be places that are not, yeah. Yeah, the devil little cousin used to work with me at the car dealership. Yes. I was like, oh, you the devil's little cousin. Like, okay. 
Nice to see you today. You'll be back tomorrow too. Okay, I'll see you then. Praise the Lord. And I remember having this manager. He was so derogatory. He used to tell these derogatory, just perverted jokes. And I was like, God, you got to help me with this man. This, this brother is tripping at work. He is tripping. You ever worked with somebody that's just tripping, just out of control? Amen. And I remember I was fasting. It was a Monday and I was fasting and I sat there at his desk. And while we were putting our deal together to sell this vehicle, I had my phone open. I had Psalm 23. And while he was typing on his computer, I just kept reading quietly as I was sitting in front of him, Psalm 23, over and over, and just praying that silently to myself. And then all of a sudden, this derogatory, filthy mouth man started just, he was like, you know, um, you know, I, uh, generosity and giving to the poor is like a really good thing. And I was like, <laughs> Like, where is this coming from? Like, my God. And I, I, I remember in that moment, God says, son, you shifted the atmosphere in this office when you walked in here. He couldn't tell his filthy jokes. He couldn't tell his derogatory language. He literally came under the influence of heaven, and he came under the influence of the anointing in your life, and he started thinking about spiritual things just because you came into the atmosphere. I didn't witness to him. I didn't tell him about Jesus. I didn't ask him if I could pray for him. Just coming in with the heart and the anointing of an intercessor caused the whole atmosphere and the environment to shift. Amen. I remember in that same car dealership later on that year, it was Thanksgiving, and we got to the Thanksgiving week, and they did a big uh, lunch for the whole uh, dealership. They had the parts department, the service department, the sales department come together. They spent a lot of money. And the owner of the dealership, he looked at me, and he said, Reverend, can you bless and pray over our Thanksgiving dinner? In front of the whole, this is the owner now. The guy that pays everybody to work there. I said, oh God, this is, oh, you, you, you showing out today, Jesus. You just, you just going to show out right here in the middle of the dealership. And right there in front of heathens and people from different religions and people with different sexual orientations, I prayed in the name of Jesus God's blessing over the food and over the dealership and over everybody else. And, and I walked away from that. And I said, God, if we would make ourselves available to stand in the gap, you will shift any environment. Amen. You will shift any environment because an intercessor prayers knows no bounds. And intercessor prayers can reach limits and heights higher than the highest mountain here on planet earth. And intercessors prayers can shift the heart of people and change governments and nations and situations. I want you to understand the power of an intercessor so that you don't take for granted what God has given you and devalue it. God has given you something valuable. But my question today is will you begin you what God has entrusted to you. Amen? Hallelujah. E.M. Bound says this. He said, the progress of God's work to completion in this world has two basic principles. Number one, God's ability to give and people's ability to ask. 
God's ability to do it and our ability to ask for it. Therefore, there is a need for the entire Christian church on earth to give itself to prayer. The church upon its knees would bring heaven upon the earth. Yes and amen. Parents, how many of you have teenagers? You have some teenagers, parents with teenagers in the house. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. <laughs> I was praying for you this morning. I got a word for the parents with teenagers. You're watching online. I have a word for you. This is what the Lord told me for your teenager. This is a word directly from the Lord. He said, number one, the Lord says, stop nagging your teenagers. Mm. Y'all be quiet. Don't say nothing. Don't look to the left or the right. Don't look at your parents, your grandparents, your aunt and uncle. Just stay right here with me, all right? God says, stop nagging your teenagers. He said, they are blocking you out mentally, and you are losing your ability to speak into their lives during this season because of your nagging. He said, they are tuning you out. They're like, they're hearing nothing you're saying. And not only that, but you're losing your ability to speak to them because you keep nagging them. He said, you, the parents, are operating from a place of frustration and you are ruining your relationship with your children. And he gave me five instructions for you. He said, number one, he said, start praying for them in the area of their destiny. Start praying for them in the area of their destiny. He said, stop focusing on what they are doing wrong and pray in the it pray in the area of their future. He said, pray, uh, pray concerning who they are, not where they're at. Amen? And there's a hockey term that says, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player in history, he said, I always skate to where the puck is going, not where it has been. If you want a rebellious teenager, keep focusing on their rebellion. But if you want a kid with destiny, begin speaking to, focusing on, declaring, and thinking about their destiny. Amen? Yeah. Number two, praise God. God says pray for the type of people you want them to be around. Or pray for the type of people you want to be around them. He said they may have negative influences around them, but pray for the people they need to have in their lives to bring them to the next level. God says, start praying for their friends. Start praying for the type of people. If your kid, they're teenagers, start praying for their spouses right now, amen? Start praying for the people that they're going to be in contact with, other people they need to be in contact with. Lord, send godly friends to my teenager. Lord, send people that's going to influence my kid for education, for the things of God, to have good relationships. Lord, keep the bums away from them and bring the right people into their lives. Number three, speak life over your kids. Speak life over your kids. God says declare the destiny of God over them and not their failures. Parents, let's just be practical for a moment. How many of you enjoy going to your jobs where your managers and bosses always tell you everything you do wrong every day you go to work? They tell you how bad your work ethic is. They tell you how long extended breaks you take. They tell you about how late you show up and you want to leave early. They tell you about complaining about pay. You do not enjoy going to that job, do you? 
God says the same thing you're doing to your kids. And that's the reason why they're tuning you out and they don't want to listen. He said, but begin to pray and speak life over your kids. Tell them who they are. Tell them what God is going to do in their lives. Tell them about their future. Tell them, and they may not want to hear it, but it is still life-giving because you're declaring life and not death over your teenagers. Hallelujah. Number four. Woo, this is going to be a fun one. And matter of fact, if y'all get mad, y'all go talk to Jesus about this because I'm not the source of this information. I'm just, I'm UPS. I'm just dropping off the package, ringing the doorbell, and going back to my truck. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Fourth thing, the Lord says, parents, stop acting like a victim. Stop acting like a victim. It's not about you. Your kids are going through great difficulties, but you can't even see it because you are so in your own feelings. You are so caught up with you talking to your friends about how wild and crazy your teenagers are that you can't even see what they're walking through. You just caught up in you. It's all about you. Oh, Jesus, santo mm. And number five, God says, stop making excuses for your kids and make intercession for them. Stop making excuses for them. Stop dismissing the bad behavior now. Because some, some are on the other side of the extreme. Your kids can't do nothing wrong. It's the teacher's fault. It's the counselor's fault. It's the youth pastor's fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's the, it's the traffic cop fault that pulled them over when they were doing 55 in the, in the 15. It's everybody else's fault. Stop making excuses for them and make intercession for them. Amen? God says stand in the gap for your kids. Praise God. Second Chronicles. 7, 13 to 14. Now I'm back into the sermon. The writer of Chronicles says, this is God speaking. It says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague amongst my people, he said, when things are bad, if an intercessor would come along, he said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He says, then will I hear from heaven, then will I forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Amen? An intercessor has the power to cause forgiveness, repentance, and a turnaround in a place just because they're willing to seek the face of God. Prayer especially intercession can shift a bad situation into a good one. It can bring a destructive situation into a favorable situation. Amen? Richard Halverson says this. He said, no place is closed to intercessory prayer. No continent, no nation, no city, no organization, no office, and I would even say no teenager. Amen. He says, no power on earth can keep intercession out. We have the power and the authority to shift situations through our prayers and through our intercession. Arthur Pearson said this. 
there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. Hallelujah. This is why we're coming to prayer at 6 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Amen. Because we want to see a turnaround. This state is a glorious state. It is a beautiful state. This is a state of destiny. California is a forerunner state. What happens in California affects the U.S. and I would even say affects the entire world. And two people are fighting for it. The devil is fighting for California and God is fighting for California. The devil's fighting for California because he wants his wickedness to spread throughout the earth. God is fighting for California because there's a prophetic and divine destiny on this state and if California catch fire then the rest of the United States will catch fire amen during the times of Azusa Street in 1906, and this was a time before airplanes and everything else, people started coming from around the world because they heard that God is visiting the state of California with his presence, his power, and his glory. How much more in 2024 will people come from around the world to experience God because God is showing up and showing out in the state of California? Amen? Hallelujah. We're contending for something more. We're contending for something more. I want to let you know, I am a pretty relentless person, and my wife is just flat out crazy, amen? Yeah, she is crazy. She won't sleep for two or three days to get the job done. But you know what? Our relentlessness is about bringing glory to Jesus and seeing this state turn around the way that God wants it to be, to be the state God created California to be, and to let Harvest Church be in the center of the outpouring of God's Spirit in, in California. We're not going to change that. I didn't leave my shrimp pool boys, my gumbo, my jambalaya, all of that good food, my beignets, for anything less than the glory of God. The glory of God is worth giving all of that up, but I want you to know we are going all the way in and we will reach the promised land. We will do what God has called us to do. We will see what God has said is supposed to happen in the state of California and Harvest Church is going to be a forerunner that will lead the way of how to seek the face of Jesus, bring the lost into the kingdom of God and see his name lifted up. And I want to let you know right here, I don't apologize for it. I don't apologize for doing the will of God. I don't apologize for bringing people closer to Jesus. I don't apologize for exalting and lifting up his name and making him the most important thing in the church. I don't apologize about it. And I will not apologize for exalting Jesus. It's all about him. It's about him receiving glory. It's about him receiving the reward of his suffering. It's about his name being lifted up. It's about him receiving all the majesty and the praise. It's all about him. Lord, receive all the glory. Receive all the glory, Jesus. Receive it all, Lord. Receive all the glory, Lord. Receive it all. Receive it. It belongs to you. 
God, we will not touch your glory. We will not offer up strange fire. Come on, somebody that read that. When you start touching God's glory, you're offering up strange fire. And we saw how God handled people, the priests, when they offered up strange fire. No, 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 no. We're offering up what belongs to him the way he wants it. He wants a humble people that's going to exalt his name. He wants a people who are surrendered and yielded to his purpose that's going to exalt his name. And he said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto myself. You want to know why God's going to pour out his spirit and there are going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands in this house? Because this house is going to be one of the central points in Northern California that knows how to lift up and exalt Jesus. And because he's been lifted up, the Heavenly Father is going to draw people from the north, south, east, and west so that they can experience a Jesus who has been exalted in his house that his name might be glorified. I don't apologize for bringing Jesus glory. I don't apologize for him receiving praise. I don't apologize for telling the worship team. I said, I don't want y'all up here performing. I want you to sing songs about him, to him, and for him. I don't, apologize, I don't apologize for preaching the Bible from the with the anointing of God rightly dividing the word. Of the I don't apologize for that. I don't apologize for operating in the gifts and the anointing of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was the one that empowered Jesus to bring the gospel to Israel. He's the same one that's with us today. I don't apologize for being godly. I don't apologize for, for loving God with everything in my heart. I don't apologize. I know what it is to receive the glory of man. I know what it is to be on television and in the newspapers before there was the internet and I know how empty and lifeless and meaningless it is. It's vanity. We're going to be a God-honoring church. We're going to lift Jesus up, amen? Hallelujah. He's going to receive all the praise. In conclusion, Intercession is intervening on behalf of another in prayer. It is one of the most powerful forms of prayer, and it has served as an ancient remedy for the wickedness of society throughout history. God always looks for an intercessor when he wants to shift a nation or a people group from wickedness to righteousness. Today, may God make you an intercessor and a prayer warrior. May he make you people who seek his face and cause the earth to turn towards him through your prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I don't apologize for giving this altar call right now. I don't apologize for people who are going to hell that's about to come to heaven right now because we're going to give them opportunity to repent and give their hearts to Jesus Christ. If you were in this room and you were to die today and you don't know where you would spend the rest of eternity, I want to pray for you. You tried it your way. 
you've messed your life up, you've made the mess of everything around you, and you know and you finally come to the realization that I can't keep doing this and expect different results. Today is the day of salvation. Today's the day that the Holy Spirit brought you into this room or you're watching online and he is dealing with your heart. And he says enough is enough. It's time for a change. It's time for a turnaround. It's time for you to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. Today is the day. Amen. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I'm tired. <laughs> I've done it my way. I've messed it up real bad. Well, guess what? I was interceding for you today. That you would say, Jesus, I'm surrendering my heart to you. And I'm going to give you my life so that you can take this mess that I've made and clean it up. Because you know what? God is the, the best cleaner in the world. Amen. Come on. God knows how to turn your mess into a message. He knows how to turn your test into a testimony. If you're in this room, you say, Pastor, it's time. It's time. I'm ready. If that's you and you need to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ today, please raise your hand. I want to see your hand. I want to pray with you today. Amen. Today's the day of change. Who in this place? You need to surrender. This is not the time to be shy. This is the time to say, God, I'm ready to go to heaven. And I'm ready for a turnaround. Amen. Who in this place? You want to pray and give your heart to Jesus Christ. Amen. Anybody? Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the Word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.